Coming up today on the Dr. Linda Mental Show. You get triggered or you get stressed and then the hijack of your thinking part of your brain happens so fast that most people aren't even aware of it when it happens. And then the feeling part of your brain, the amygdala, takes over and then you just feel a really strong emotion. It's hard to think or it's hard to remember anything. The Dr. Linda Mental Show is next. and welcome to the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. I'm your host, Dr. Linda Mintel, the relationship doctor, and I'm here along with my co-host, Chris Weigel, and every weekend we're here, we're doing life together, and as always, we're so glad you joined us. Dr. Linda, there's such a difference between Monday through Friday and then Saturday. Yeah, I love Saturdays and Sundays, right? Because we're not at work. That's right. There's, it, it, <laughs> it's the weekend. And we're doing the show, so I guess we technically are at work, right? A little yeah. bit. We're, we're working a little, but we have an amazing audience, and you and I love doing this show. It doesn't feel like work. It doesn't. No. Even though it is the weekend, we're supposed to take it easy, sort of kick back and relax. But that isn't always easy. And even when I'm not at work, I can have, you know, all kinds of thoughts and things running through my mind that make it difficult to relax. And it makes me uh, feel anxious even on the weekend. You know, Chris, there's been so much going on in our culture and in our world today, and people do walk around, I think, with a lot more stress, maybe maybe because we hear the information all the time on the mm, radio. Right. But a lot of people feel apprehensive about the future. They're worried about the economy and all the events that we've been dealing with in the culture. And sometimes those anxious feelings are just because you're thinking of a million things mm, that you have to do, right. and you have your mind racing, especially at night. Have you ever just really felt anxious, but you don't know why? It, actually, it's the other way around. There are times where, because I'm such a, a sort of a type A wound up person a lot, if I wake up not anxious about something, it feels like something's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Unpack that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, sometimes you hear people say, you know, why did I just say that? Or why did I just do that? And they've kind of zoned out. They don't really know what's going on because they're anxious, but they're not aware of it. So you sound like you're more aware of it when you wake up in the morning. But have you ever had that experience where you just go, I'm sorry, what was it you said? Have you ever um, had that? Uh, what did you just say? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you're having that right now. <laughs> right. It's like you're blank for the moment and you can't think. Yeah. And I've noticed that that happens when there is a, like intense conflict with a boss or a spouse or someone in the family. And then wait till you have your three children become teenagers, because you may be saying that a lot, a lot in terms of what? What just? What did you just say? It won't be a zoning out. It'll be a little bit more related to probably what they're talking about. Did you say something about three teenagers? Yes. Ugh. Have you? Do you have any that are teenagers yet? Just one. Just one. Oh, so your oldest is a teenager? Mm, right, yeah. Oh, yeah. That just happened this year, I think, didn't it? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. She's definitely... A teenager. <laughs> well, what happens here, what we're going to talk about today, is when your emotions take over and you just can't think, and then you find yourself really overreacting to mm. stress. And when that happens, your emotions tend to guide your thinking and your behavior. And in fact, you don't think, you just feel. And sometimes it just feels stressful. And, and then I get to the point and say, why did I get so upset? 
the reason that you had that very intense reaction is because you're having what psychologist Daniel Goleman, he coined a term called you're having an amygdala hijack. Huh. You ever heard that term? No. <laughs> well, this is when the thinking part of your brain is literally hijacked by the feeling part of your brain. And when that happens, your thinking brain just goes offline. Exactly. That, ha <laughs> that happened this past week. Oh, I, it did. I had a couple of things pile up. And there were steps I needed to go through to fix some problems, and I simply could not. I didn't know where to start. You didn't. You couldn't think. Right. Yeah, and that's when your emotions really take over. You have this big stress, and when we're exposed to stress, and it feels overwhelming or big, the brain causes the adrenaline, you know, to start flowing. So the adrenal glands release the stress hormone of cortisol and adrenaline, and then we have these almond-like structures in the brain called the amygdala. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people know that as kind of like the feeling part of the brain. Think of that part of your brain like a smoke detector. And their job is to detect danger. And then your body goes into this action to defend itself against any perceived danger. So the amygdala sounds like the alarm that you feel when mm -hmm. stress uh, happens or it's an intense conflict that is upsetting. Yes. And the amygdala signal that happens when you get that feeling is activated. And then a whole cascade of chemicals are released in your body, preparing you for some type of emergency response. And I know from experience that it happens really fast. It does. It does. You get triggered or you get stressed or you become afraid of something fearful. And then the hijack of your thinking part of your brain happens. And it happens, Chris, within six seconds. Mm. So it is really fast. It's so fast that most people aren't even aware of it when it happens. And then the feeling part of your brain, the amygdala, that smoke detector takes over, and then you just feel a really strong emotion. And those emotions can be so strong that it's hard to think or it's hard to remember anything. So what is happening to your, your physical body when this happens? Well, the amygdala, that smoke detector part of your brain, activates your hands and they sweat, you know, so sweating, your heart races, you feel lightheaded, you feel anxious. And you don't know why, but the anxious feeling, as we talked about, is really fast and strong. You just can't think. You just feel. And it's not a good feeling because your brain is signaling that there's some perceived danger. And it's so funny because you can look at the situation afterward and say, it wasn't that big yeah, of a deal. Yeah, why did I do that? Right. It just sounds like a panic and, like you said, anxiety to me. And it's not fun at all. It, it's that anxious feeling that just feels awful. Right. And if you're in an argument or a conflict when this happens, your amygdala begins to activate and it immediately shuts down the neural pathway to your thinking part of your brain. So you become disoriented in a heated argument. And then you probably don't make the best decisions. That's right, because the complex decision-making disappears, and so does your ability to think from the other person's perspective. So your attention narrows, you find yourself trapped in your own thoughts in order to feel safe at the moment, and that's when people go, I'm right, I'm right, and you're wrong. Mm. And that's really how we protect ourselves during that kind of high conflict. Oddly enough, it's so counterproductive. <laughs> yeah, it's it not work. good. It does. It's not good, but this is actually what happens. Right. And when it does happen, you become overly emotional mm -hmm. or, like we said, hijacked in the brain, and it's hard to remember the argument accurately. And is that why couples sometimes fight or when they fight, they have you know very different recollections of what was said and what happened? Yeah, especially when it's such an emotional thing that you're talking about. Norm and I have sat down afterwards and mm. done like a post-argument sort of analysis. Well, see, you're a therapist. I That's know. <laughs> we have to do these things. But it's, sometimes it's really interesting how he 
remembers it so differently mm-hmm. than I do. And that's the problem when you're so emotional, you really can't trust your memory. When your emotions are so strong and they're just kind of soaring out of control, we just don't think well when we're upset. So think of a time when you were in a fight with a spouse or a friend or maybe even somebody at work, mm-hmm. and you literally could not remember a positive thing about them. Right. It's, it's like the brain drops the memory function altogether in an effort to just survive the moment because you feel like you're being threatened. It really doesn't help the, no, you said, no, you said, right. no, you, because we don't really know what we're talking about. <laughs> right. And this also works against actually calming us down. Yeah, when our memory is compromised like that, we can't recall something from the past that might help us calm down. In fact, Chris, we can't even remember much about anything at that moment. So instead, we're simply filled with this sort of flashing red light of the amygdala saying, danger, react, danger, protect, danger, attack. We're just defending. We're not thinking. And the amygdala is almond-shaped. Two of them in your brain. Oh, you have two. You have two on both sides in Mm -hmm. your brain. I build the brain with bagels, and we put little almonds inside <laughs> to show us where the amygdala is. Right. You do this at school when you're teaching. Yeah, when te- I'm teaching, when I'm not okay. with med students, but obviously right. when I'm teaching sort of like kids and yeah. trying to think about the brain, we use a bagel to depict the limbic system of the brain where that amygdala sits with mm-hmm. those almond-like structures in there that are firing uh, when we get threatened. It's amazing that something, an almond size, can create these anxious feelings when we feel like we're in danger and speaking of which i don't feel like we're in danger now but we do need to take a break and i want to know more about how we do in a fight when we have an amygdala hijack more after the break from the moment we're born we're in relationship at first we depend on others to take care of us to meet all of our needs then as we grow older we make friends we meet school teachers Later, a boss at work and a spouse at home. Every relationship is important. Every relationship requires cultivation and nurturing. And at some point or another, every relationship has its challenges and they revolve around conflict. Did you know that you can grow through conflict and become such a healthier you than you ever expected? Well, I want to help you look at conflict in new ways, to approach conflict in ways that work. My book, We Need to Talk, can help you become a better problem solver, learn to negotiate differences, and strengthen all relationships even when conflict seems destructive. Well, let's face it, conflict is an unavoidable part of our everyday life. But conflict doesn't have to overwhelm you or destroy your relationships. We Need to Talk, an important book by Dr. Linda Mental, is written to help you successfully navigate conflict. Find We Need to Talk wherever you buy books online. You're listening to The Dr. Linda Mental Show, and Dr. Linda has written numerous books that you can find on her website or online. Check out her website, drlindamental.com, and her book that relates to today's topic is Letting Go of Worry or We Need to Talk. And remember, our podcast can be listened to or shared anytime. Go to myfaithradio.com or your favorite podcast platform and type in The Dr. Linda Mental Show. And Dr. Linda, I remember when we did shows on conflict, You talked a lot about not continuing the conflict when you are too upset. Just take a step back for a few minutes. Mm -hmm. This emotional hijacking in the brain really explains why it just won't go well. Right, right. We talked about researcher John Gottman, who's very well known in our country for marital 
a research in couples work, he measured actually how aroused couples got when they fought. And he knew that if your body thought it was defending a threat because you were so upset and that amygdala was being hijacked, that couples would say and do things they normally would not. Mm. And then they would regret it later. But, you know, Chris, it's hard to take back the words you say when you're very upset. Right. It, it, you can't. Right. <laughs> and people remember those, mm -hmm. you know, unfortunately. I remember you saying something about measuring your heart rate uh, when you get really upset during a conflict. Yeah, we, we talked about that because Gottman's research on couples found that if your heart rate exceeds 100 beats per minute, you just won't be able to hear what your spouse is trying to say, no matter how hard you try. So if you get that aroused, Chris, mm -hmm. it's physically impossible to communicate during that time. You get flooded. And that means your brain just gets kind of overwhelmed. Emotions are flooding you and overwhelming you, and you're being emotionally hijacked. So who has the forethought to, in the middle of a fight, say, hold on, let me check my... My, my, pulse. my pulse. I know. Well, the researchers do that, right, to see where the threshold is. They're trying to go, when does it change? Like, when are you really able to listen? And when are you just so overwhelmed you're not going to hear anything? So mm -hmm. actually, I did have couples do that. Really? In the office, we had these little things that we put on, and they checked their heart rate. And I said, this is probably where we need to stop. Really? And take wow. a time out. Yeah. So you can train people to kind of pay attention to their bodies mm -hmm. and then know when to do that. So we were talking about this flooding that happens in the brain. Is it different between men and women? Interestingly, yes. There are some biological differences when it comes to stress. Actually, men have a more difficult time calming down their bodies after stress in an argument <laughs> than women do. Uh, women calm down more quickly because it takes less time for their cardiovascular system to recover from stress. But both people can get very emotional and physically aroused. So here's the important question. When we are in the heat of an argument and experience that amygdala hijack, what do we do? Main thing is you have to get your physical body calm. So during an argument, the best way to do that is exactly what you said earlier, is just take a time out. Then take some very long, deep breaths, and we'll talk more about how you distract your brain in a minute. But when you are in a time out for an argument, what you don't want to do is sit in that time out and dwell on the argument and think about how bad your partner is or how you hate your boss or whatever your feeling is that made you so upset because guess what? That won't calm you down. But that's the fun part. I know. That's not what you want to do. <laughs> it will keep you aroused if you keep doing that, and it will put you in this continual negative bad state. And I think, too, if we do walk away from an argument and say, you know what? We need to make sure it's not being perceived as walking away from the person yeah. in the argument. Yeah. Good point, because you, you, you want that as a planned strategy, yeah. because you know this information we're talking about, so now it becomes a strategy, not just a, I'm done with you, bye. Right. Yeah, you don't want that. And if you do take a break from the argument, you don't want to think things like, I can't take this anymore. I deserve better. Who does she think she is? Uh, those type of thoughts don't help. Exactly. And this is often what we do, right? So mm -hmm. we get upset, oh, yeah. we move away, but then we're focusing on getting revenge or we're thinking about what a victim we are. And when that's the case, you are not calming down your body. And the entire point of this is to calm down so you can think and remember again. So once you take some deep breaths, once you refocus your mind on something more positive, you can calm down and your heart rate decreases. Then you can stop the timeout, go mm -hmm. back to it, and try to talk again. But Gottman says that this cooling down period can take about 20 minutes. And so you actually have to be working intentionally on getting calm. I sort of mentioned this a second ago, but what if you do just walk out of the argument and say, 
I'm done. Yeah, well, people do that. It's called conflict avoidance. <laughs> I mm-hmm. talk about that as not a good model in any relationship, but because nothing gets solved. And then you just walk away feeling very upset. So we need to know what to do during that 20 minutes to get calmed down again. Okay, so we're going to get at this. But before we do, one more thing I want to say that is real important for couples to think about. And that is, on a regular basis, kind of take the emotional temperature of your relationship. Mm -hmm. I mean, do you spend a lot of time interacting and being upset? Are you having a lot of those amygdala hijacks? Are you angry and defensive a lot? If that's the case, just overall, that's not good for your relationship. So take your emotional temperature and think about practicing how to stay calm more often. Chris, I've seen this so much in couple work. One person gets upset and then comes with, you know, barrels blazing to Mm. an argument. Both are really upset because of what is being said. And then they're both experiencing that amygdala hijack. And when that happens, they're not reasonable. They can't listen. So I have to stop and I have to work on calming them both down. And you've said that you actually do or you have in some cases monitored their heart rate during that. I have. Mm -hmm. I have used that technique and and kind of taught them, pay attention. Just look at your pulse and, and feel it right now, what is going on in your physical body. You know, it's part of emotional intelligence, learning to recognize and to regulate your emotions. And when you do that, you're going to make a better friend, a better partner, a better family member, coworker. Once you're able to calm your body down after that initial hijack, Mm -hmm. the thinking part of your brain is activated again. So the key here is to stop the hijack. You had mentioned breathing for this, and it sounds like that's a good place to begin. It really is, and it's simple, but people don't stop and do it. Mm -hmm. You just need to take a few long, deep breaths because breathing slows everything down. And breathing takes about six seconds for the chemicals in your brain to dissipate that really strong emotional reaction that you're having. Breathe six times during those six seconds. When you do, you activate what's called the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the calming part of your nervous system that's working against that sympathetic part, which is the part that makes you feel in danger and fight and flight and all the things that get activated in the negative. So your nervous system kind of gets activated when you're fearful, and then the parasympathetic part tries to calm you down. If the parasympathetic part can't calm you down, people go into a freeze situation. But most of the time, you can calm down, and then it works together. Okay, so I'm, I'm taking the deep breaths. Now what? So now label your feelings. And this might sound a little weird, but if you say, I'm feeling anxious right now, mm-hmm. you're actually engaging that thinking part of your brain. So just think of it like a signal. It's moving away from that emotional part, and it's engaging that thinking part by just saying what you're feeling. We call that the name it to tame it strategy. Got it. So name it and tame it. Bumper sticker. Yeah, (laughs) it's another one of our (laughs) multiple bumper stickers that we've never actually done anything with. Right, I know. (laughs) Okay, so if I've labeled the anxious feeling, now what? Now you refocus your thoughts to something very distracting. So easy thing to do is to count to 10 backwards, maybe just look at something in the room like the lamp and start describing it, or focus on your feet and the ground and the fact that you're sitting in a chair, or you can name five cities that begin with the letter A. When you do something like that, Chris, this specific type of distraction, that's how you're engaging the thinking part of your brain. It's like it comes back online again. In one particular study, when the people were very flooded, they interrupted couples after 15 minutes of fighting, and they told them, you know, we just need to go adjust the equipment right now, so just sit here in the room for a little while. And the researchers asked the couples not to talk about the issue, Mm -hmm. but just to read a bunch of magazines for half an hour. Really? And guess what happened? 
When they started talking about their issue again, their heart rates were significantly lower and their interactions were more positive and more productive. Okay, Anaheim, Austin, <laughs> Albany, Alexandria. See, you're already in your thinking part of your oh, brain. That's much better. Feel more calm? <laughs> yes. <laughs> On that note, let me uh, distract us with a break. And when we come back, we will give spiritual guidance on calming us as well. There's no doubt about it. We are definitely living in the text, Twitter, and email age. The handwritten note has become quite the relic. But just because we don't write much with pen and paper anymore doesn't mean we should forsake the kind and encouraging message. Hi, I'm Dr. Linda Mintel, the Relationship Doctor, and I want to encourage you to share a kind word. Even if it's a text, the power of telling a friend you're thinking of them, complimenting a success, or just saying, hey, hang in there, can make all the difference. If you've ever had your day interrupted by just a quick but genuine message from someone close, you know how a thought can raise your spirits, rejuvenate your mind, or help you stick on a difficult path because someone just cares. While you're listening right now, someone may come to mind, someone you can encourage with a few words. Take a minute and text, tweet, or email that person. Tell them you value them and the part they play in your life. It just might change their whole day. Did you know you have a conflict style? Everybody does. Are you a conflict avoider? Maybe you don't avoid, but instead react intensely. Or perhaps you are a great negotiator. Dr. Linda Mento offers a free conflict quiz when you visit her website, www.drlindahelps.com. Click on the picture of her latest book, We Need to Talk. Then have a friend or your partner take the quiz too and see if you can navigate conflict successfully. Welcome back to the Dr. Linda Mental Show. And just a reminder that you can follow Dr. Linda on social media, on Twitter and Instagram at Dr. Linda Mental, and then on Facebook, Dr. Linda Mental, author and speaker. And you can listen to and share the weekly podcasts. They air on MyFaithRadio.com, but also on your favorite podcast platforms like iTunes. Just search Dr. Linda Mental Podcasts or go to MyFaithRadio.com. And one of Dr. Linda's books that will help you with today's topic is Letting Go of Worry, which is available on Amazon. And maybe even that We Need to Talk book, since we're talking a lot about conflict and settling down when you're in an argument. That'd be a good book, too. Yes, I have copies of both. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so get one or the other or both. That's right. <laughs> well, before the break, we talked about distracting the brain when you are very upset as a way to engage your thinking brain. Let's talk more about that. So once you breathe and you distract your brain, then you have re-engaged, like we said, your thinking part of your brain. Then this is where taking a thought captive is really possible and really helps with anxiety. So this is where a lot of what I talked about in letting go of worry is how to take those thoughts captive. You look at your anxious thought now that you can think again, right? Because now you're mm -hmm. engaging your thinking part of your brain and you ask, well, does this really line up with scripture or is this a fear-based thought? Am I really thinking about what God says, or am I just reacting in fear? And if it is based on fear and causing you to feel anxious... Then you take it captive, and mm -hmm. you replace that thought with a godly thought based on Scripture. So this often means meditating on the Word of God, and meditation especially on God's Word, is a wonderful way to distract the brain away from that amygdala hijack. And we know from studies that meditation and prayer, just in and of themselves, are two ways that you can calm the brain, and they're mm -hmm. actually very effective. For example, if you're anxious about getting your needs met, 
Meditate on the verse in Philippians 4.19. My God will meet all my needs. We could put our name in there or our name according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. This is a promise that you can meditate on, and that promise will calm you down. Speaking of prayer and calming the mind, here's a great scripture from Psalm 37. Quiet down before God. Be prayerful before him. Don't bother with those who climb the ladder and elbow their way to the top. <laughs> it's very descriptive, wow, isn't it? Wow, that is. That is. <laughs> yep. And it's prescriptive, and it starts with quiet down and pray. See, look, there it is in the scripture. Quiet down before you continue right. to move into this emotional hijack. Mm -hmm. Quiet down. And, of course, the verse that's familiar to so many of us is from Philippians 4. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer. Mm. And then it also adds by petition, with thanksgiving. Present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. You know, Chris, that verse says, you calm down by prayer, thanksgiving, and making your requests known to God. Again, a great prescription from the Bible. But we also have to trust God, mm -hmm. like the psalmist did in uh, Psalm 56, 3, where it says, when I'm afraid, I will trust in you. You know, there's so many scriptures. I was just looking up scripture after scripture when we were preparing for this show, and a lot of scriptures on trusting God, taking our burdens to him, not fearing bad news because his heart is steadfast and secure. Mm. You know, he's our help in time of trouble. So when you feel anxious, our prescription here spiritually is seek the Lord. Psalm 34, 4 says, I sought the Lord, and guess what? He heard me, and he delivered me from all my fears. The trigger from the amygdala hijack is fear that causes us to be anxious. And as you said, we may not know in the moment what we are afraid of, but we feel afraid. So those scriptures refocus the mind. Exactly. Often our fear reactions are triggered by life experiences or wounding from our childhood or times when we didn't feel safe. And we can't always figure that out in the moment. We just feel afraid, right? It's that safety that is needed to calm us down. And when we feel safe, we just don't get easily triggered. So if we feel unsafe in our relationships, like our partner threatens divorce, is mean, abusive, unpredictable uh, due to mental illness or addiction, that amygdala hijack can easily happen. Which is why couples should work on feeling safe in their relationship. No matter how upset you get, and I say this over and over in couples therapy, you should not threaten divorce mm. because that just activates that fight or flight danger signal in the brain and your amygdala will get hijacked with that sentence right there. I want a divorce. I would imagine that the same is true of families and organizations where you work, schools and almost everywhere. So much of what has happened lately in our culture has eroded our sense of safety. It really has. It, it's really shaken us. And you can see how much the entire culture is experiencing an amygdala hijack. Mm. Kind of feels like the whole culture is. But if we get back to where our true sense of safety comes from, it's not from all these things that are happening around us. Will, will the government you know, save us? Will politics save us? Will you know, science save us? It's all really our safety comes from the Lord. Then we don't get shaken when fearful things happen. And since meditating on Scripture is a powerful way to calm our brain and reset us to a safe place, let's end with a meditative Scripture. Well, the one that reminds us of how to distract our mind away from the emotion is one that I love from Isaiah 26.3. It says, you will keep in perfect peace whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. So where do I focus my mind? I focus it on Christ who will keep me in perfect peace. To stop the amygdala hijack, breathe, 
distract, meditate on Christ, and renew your mind. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Many thanks to our producer, Norm Mintel, our engineer, and my co-host, Chris Weigel, who always makes the show a conversation. From all of us here at Faith Radio, we'll talk to you again next weekend. In the meantime, remember, we're here, we're doing life together, and it's better when you don't have to do it alone. Well, thanks for listening to this conversation from the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. These podcasts are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and helping us grow the impact of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Also, take a moment to subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player, and you'll never miss a show.